Hello, and welcome to Birth of Family Church Podcast. We trust that you'll find an encouraging word to strengthen your walk with the Lord. And if you're visiting the area, or if you're looking for a good church home, come check us out at birthedfamilychurch.org. There you can find our location and service times. Thanks again for tuning in. God bless. Good evening, everybody. It's good to have you here in Healing School. Let's go ahead and get our Bibles tonight and let's roll up our sleeves and get into the Word of God. Hallelujah. I'll tell you, I was just reflecting on how long we've been doing healing school here. It's been uh, a little bit more than two years. And, you know, I've been enjoying excellent health by doing these classes. And it's because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so I'm very thankful for being able to do this class because it's helping me (laughs) immensely and I'm very thankful for that. I trust it's doing the same for you. We want to welcome those watching on the live stream. Good to have you aboard. Uh, You're either watching live or maybe it's a recording. I just want you to know that we feel that you're a part of this church. We thank you for being there. Probably, in, in all cases, Sharon right now is watching from the hot tub. And so we're saying hi to, to Sharon and Brett and Maggie and their team down there in beautiful, sunny Florida. And also, I'm trusting that Elizabeth is watching. You know, the Lord God is going in his particular direction and subject matter because of you. And so we're hoping that you're hooked up tonight. So good evening, everyone. And of course, those that are here before me, looks like Carolyn Rice is with us. And so that's so good to have her here. Hallelujah. And so let's get into the word. We're going to trust God for revelation. You know, many people think that they can read the Bible and then just extract from it information. And you can do that mentally. But really, for it to do is the, what the Lord wants to do in our life, we have to get it down into our spirit. Just knowing what it says isn't enough. We have to get it down into our heart, have the revelation of it. It has to become real and tangible to us. And then that's when it imparts the life that we need that will co- go out from our spirit and heal our body. So let's trust the Holy One. He's definitely helping me tonight, and I believe he'll help you as well. Father... We are so thankful for Jesus. Oh, boy, where would we be without the Lord? And so we thank you, Jesus, that when you hung there on that tree, you didn't just take away our sins and sin nature. You bared away the fruit of sin, of which one is sickness. And so we are as healed as we are forgiven. So we thank you that you provided it for us. But, Lord, help us to get that that, that wisdom, that revelation, that belief down in our heart that we will resist sickness as much as we resist sin, that we would resist those symptoms as much as we would resist a temptation to do something wrong. Because, Lord, you've already defeated our enemy and you've already provided health for us to enjoy. Give us eyes that see tonight, a heart that's hungry, In Jesus' name, amen. 
So what we did last time we were together is that we <clears throat> told you the four steps to receive healing for your body. And then it seemed good in my heart to go back over each one of those steps and look at them again, maybe a little bit further in depth, because if we can get these four steps down in our heart, uh, it, it'll just make a difference in our walk with him. Amen. Amen. And so that's what we're going to do. We'll start with step number one. And remember, step number one to receive your healing, you have to believe, according to the Bible, that it's God's will to heal you individually, you, whoever you might be. It's easy for us to believe that it's God's will to heal so-and-so. But then when it comes to believing that he desires and wills to heal me, sometimes that can be a challenge. In fact, I read just recently that the number one hindrance to receiving healing from the Lord is the doubt or the not having an assurance that it's God's will to heal you. You know, the devil works overtime to try and intimidate us, saying that we're not worthy, we, you know, we're not good enough, we have so many things that we've done wrong in life, you know, we're just reaping what we sowed, and just a lot of garbage that isn't biblical. Uh, we're new creatures in Christ. We're washed with the blood of Jesus. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. In fact, the Bible tells us there in Hebrew that you and I on the inside, we're perfect. We're perfect. You can't have a relationship with God who is perfect unless he makes us perfect. He can't be in the presence of sin. He can't be in the presence of that which is imperfect. And so he made us like himself and uh, that's why we can have a relationship with him. So let's look at this. So we're going to determine tonight, or should I say we're going to answer this question, is it God's will to heal me? Amen. Now, as, I, as we've all been uh, taught, we've all been taught that God can do anything. Yes. We've, we've been taught that God can heal anything or anybody. That has never been a question that we've had because he is God. However, the question is, will he heal me? That's really the issue. And so we're going to get into this. And as I said earlier, that's probably the most asked question about healing for our body. Will the Lord do it? Is it his will for me to have that? So we're going to look at three areas to determine that it's the will of God for us to receive healing. And uh, we'll just start with the first one tonight. And uh, it'll be the word of God is the will of God. Now, it's interesting, just before the service, the Lord spoke to me. And he spoke, speaks to me like he speaks to you. Just an inner knowing. I, I didn't hear a voice. He didn't appear to me. Uh, but it was an inner knowing that came up to my mind. And I, 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 I want to hit something head on before we get into tonight's service. What I heard was, God, or no, he said it this way, Jesus can heal anybody if he wants to. If Jesus wants to heal somebody, he can. Now, that sounds, to our mind, that seems logical, doesn't it? I want you to go over to Mark chapter 6. 
Can Jesus just heal whoever? Did I tell you Mark or Matthew? Good, I went to Matthew. <laughs> I guess I should have told myself a little bit more firmer as to where we were going. And this is a misunderstanding that I would say close to 90% of Christians in Christendom are unaware of. They feel like Jesus just during his earthly ministry, he did whatever he wanted to do. And uh, that's not what Scripture teaches. And I want you to see it from Scripture. So we're answering the question or the statement, well, Jesus, because he's God, he can just heal anyone, anytime, of any condition. Let's go over here to Mark chapter 6. Let's look in verse 1. And I'm reading from the King James Version. It says that Jesus went out from thence, and he come unto his own country, and so that would be Nazareth. And his disciples followed him. That's what disciples do. That's what we do. We're disciples. We follow Jesus. Here in the second verse, it says that when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. Now, understand this, that everywhere that Jesus went, the very first thing he did was teach. And there's a reason for it. They needed faith to receive what he was able to provide for them. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. He didn't simply go to a place and start doing miracles. No, he went there and taught. In fact, Jesus did more teaching than he did preaching than he did miracles. Most people believe it's the opposite. But just read the Gospels, you'll see. Wouldn't that be an interesting thing to read the Bible? All right. And so he began, you see that? He began, didn't say he did this second or third. No, he began in the synagogue to do what? Teach. And if you're wondering what Jesus taught, just go to uh, Luke chapter 4. He taught that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. That the Lord hath anointed me to recover the sight to the blind, to heal those that are bruised. There are six areas in there that he was anointed to minister to the people. And many hearing him were astonished, and not in a good way. They said this, where has this man these things? You could say it another way. Who does this guy think he is? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works were wrought by his hand? So he was sharing testimonies of other cities he had been and what the Lord had done through him. Verse 3. Now you understand that all this communication that's going on here is going on in their mind. Because they have closed their heart. Is not this the carpenter? Could, could we say it this way? Isn't this just a man? Who is the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph, and Judah and Simon? And we're not his sisters here with us. So he's in the midst of, you know, the home team. More than likely, some of his brothers and sisters were in this very meeting. 
And it says that they, meaning this community of Nazareth, they were offended at him or took offense of him. And Jesus made this statement, and this should help you and I in terms of our relationship with our family. A prophet or one serving God is not without honor, except <laughs> when he's with his own company or amongst his own family or those that know his humanity very well and one who was in his own house. Now look at verse 5. And he, who's he? Who's he? Jesus. We've got we to clarify that. There Jesus could there, where in the midst of his hometown, he could do there no mighty work, no mighty miracle, no mighty healing. Why? Except, to, except that he laid his hands on a few sick folk. One translation says those with minor ailments. So it wasn't the blind. It wasn't the deaf or the dumb. It wasn't the lame. Maybe they had a boo-boo. I don't know. But it was a minor ailment or a minor sickness. And healed them. Now, did you notice in verse 5 it says that he could there do no mighty work. It didn't say he wouldn't. It said he couldn't. How many, how many of you guys see that in your Bible tonight? Notice it didn't say that he wouldn't, meaning that it was his will that didn't want to heal, but he couldn't. It was their will that he was unable to heal them. Yes. So that answers that question. Well, Jesus can just do whatever he wants. Consider it this way. It's the will of God for every individual to be saved. And that's the most important miracle that we can receive while on the earth. But you know, God, even though he's provided salvation for every person in every generation, he can't force it on them. And if he, don't you think that if he could, that he already would have done it? Absolutely. You see, God's given us a will. And he can't contradict it. He can't override it. In the same way that these people were, in this moment in time, were not choosing Jesus for themselves, he couldn't push himself off on them. Right? And it's the same with healing. So Jesus just can't go around healing whoever. He has to have someone who's willing for him to heal them. And that's huge. Amen? Now, let me, let me finish the story. In verse 6, after he's unable to bring healing to those that needed it, that were in those states of being crippled or blind or whatever the condition was, was, whatever that condition might have been, it says that he marveled because of what? Now, this is what hindered Jesus from healing them, because of their unbelief or their unwillingness to believe. 
Now, what's the cure? Now, see, Jesus didn't just fold his hands and say, well, I'm leaving. He brought the cure to their condition in what he did next. You ready for it? And he went round about the villages here in his hometown doing what? Teaching. See, the only cure for unbelief is the word of God. And so when you find yourself in a place that you, it seems that you're doubting, it seems like, you know, you're having trouble embracing what God wants to do for you, well, then that means we just need to get into the word of God and get another saturation of the word along this subject line. Amen? And that's the cure for unbelief because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we're looking, excuse me, I had a cup of coffee and a candy bar and I don't know why it's talking to me. Um, we're talking about determining the will of God whether it's his will to give healing to every individual. That would include me. And there are several ways that we can determine God's will. It's sad to say that most people think that God's will is a mystery. And they've limited themselves to thinking that, well, whatever God's will is, that's what I'll experience in my life. That, that's not Bible. I said, that's not Bible. You don't determine God's will by what you're experiencing. Because God, as we just proved in Mark 6, God's not in control of everything in our life. He can't just randomly knock on our door and do something for us without us inviting him to do that. Right? We have the, we have the power of choice. And so... God's will is not discovered by praying and then seeing what happens. That, that's just ignorance of the word of God. No, the, the, the first way is to, to go to God's word to see what his will is. Understand that the, the Bible is God's will. What, what are you talking about? Well... Jesus came to the earth, and what did he do? He died for us. And in doing so, he left us an inheritance. And most people, especially those that, that have a lot of earthly things, before they die, they prepare a will, their last will and testament. And what that will says is the, the, the will of that individual and willing an inheritance to those that remain, that are still alive on the earth. Well, Jesus died and he left us his inheritance. He left us a will and this Bible is it. So if I want to find out what the will of God is for Bruce, then I have a published will of God in front of me in the Bible. And for New Testament believers, that will is located primarily in the epistles from uh, Acts all the way through to Jude. And then the Old Testament will have examples of what his will is. Like we saw this morning when we read the story of the defeat of Jericho. 
That was a, a natural physical example as to what you and I have in terms of our authority in the realm of the spirit. Amen. So we get a, a sensory uh, visualization in the Old Testament, and then you get the spiritual view in the New Testament, right? But again, it's still the will of God. So let's check this out. God, his word, and also his will all agree. I want you to go to 1 John 5. And so we'll just take it slow here, showing us that it is the will of God for us to be healed in our body, just as it is the will of God for us to be saved, to be born again, to be forgiven as we go. 1 John 5, 7. And it says that there are three that bear record in heaven. So something bear, bearing record is something that has been established. I like to say it this way. Uh, it establishes this is the way it is in terms to God. It's a record. It's not something that is in flux and is changing. The Bible tells us that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It tells us that, that God never changes. God doesn't evolve. Right? And so what he believes today and what was his will for us today is the same as it was yesterday, and that's the way it's going to be for eternity. If something is God's will today, it's a forever established will or plan or desire of God. So here it says there are three that bear record where? In heaven. The Father, the Word, and you understand that Jesus is the living Word, and the Bible is the published Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are what? They're one. I like to say it this way. These three are in agreement. These three harmonize with one another. They're single. And so understand that if the word is, is one with the Father, if the word is one with the Holy Ghost, then the word has to reveal and be God's will. It can't contradict what God is in his will because they're in agreement. So we can, we can take God at his word as to what his will is when we look at the Bible. Amen. Amen? So the word of God clearly reveals that it's God's will to heal the sick. Go over to the Old Testament and go to Psalm 103, verse 1. I hope you out there watching the stream, you have that opportunity to get the word of God in front of you. Because I'm telling you, just hearing it is great. Don't get me wrong. But when you also see it, you know what I'm talking about. You, you've had people that have said something to you and you think you heard what they said. 
and it's completely different. We used to do that in elementary school. We would line up the kids, you know, and the teacher would come to the first kid and speak a sentence in their ear, and then they were to turn and speak that sentence into the next person's ear, and you go down the line, and when you got to about the eighth person, then the teacher said, okay, what did I say to the first person? And they'd come out with something completely different. Completely different. And that's how we are with the Bible. People say, oh, this is what this verse says, and they'll say it. And you're thinking what you think it says, not what they're saying it says. And so when you get the Bible out and you look at it and you begin to read along, many times you're going to see, oh, wait a second, it says this. I thought it said that. And that's when you and I begin to grow. Amen? Now look here, Psalm 103.1, it says, bless the Lord. O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Verse 2, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not. Now, why is he saying forget not? Because it's real easy to forget his benefits. We get into life, things happen, and we forget that God has already dealt with that, and we can receive you know, his blessing in that area. So he says, forget not all his benefits. Well, what are the benefits of the Lord? He says, his benefit is to forgive you of all your iniquities. Now, if I would line up 100 Christians from all over the world, and I would ask him, is it the will of God to forgive you of all your iniquities? We would get almost a unanimous yes and that's because that's been preached solidly uh, accurately for centuries for centuries and very rarely does any minister get up from the pulpit and say that forgiveness has been done away with I don't know if anyone from the pulpit's ever said that so from the pulpit and from what we hear God's in the sin forgiving business no one refutes it no one argues that it's, it's, to us it's a virtually a settled fact or truth but in the same breath it says that he forgiveth all our iniquities who healeth all our diseases hello I'm gonna take the same 100 that we just lined up I'm gonna take the same 100 Christians we just lined up and I'm gonna ask them do you believe it's the will of God to heal all of our diseases and I'm willing to bet not one or two or three of them at, at most would say yes why why? It's, it's, we just read it from the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E. Why would they not believe that? Well, number one, it doesn't get preached very often from the pulpit. You get man's opinion from the pulpit most of the time. And they're telling you what they think, the Bible says, or they're telling you what they were taught when they went to cemetery. I mean, um, seminary, not cemetery. I did that on purpose. <laughs> Cemetery. Yeah. You, you understand what I'm saying? Yes. 
And they give you all sorts of excuses. Well, you know, God stopped healing after the last apostle. You know, he just healed people at the beginning just to get the church going. Uh, all sorts of things. Jesus healed because he was the son of God. He's, he's not on the earth anymore, so there's no more healing. It, it's just ridiculous. And that's why we, that's the challenge for you and I. I mean, I grew up with a dad who was a Christian who was faithful to the church, who served the church, and he died of a sickness. Right there, that puts a stigma in my mind that it's not God's will to heal everybody. You see what I'm talking about? See, most people judge God by their experience. And truth be told, we've been down a rough road. Because there's a devil in the world, there's a devil in the earth that's come to kill, steal, and to destroy. So it's going to be up to us to get to the place where we believe it is God's will to forgive as much as we believe it's God's will to forgive. Hear what I'm saying? I mean, you don't even doubt for the most part, at least in this church. You never doubt that God's not willing to forgive you. Right? You, you, that's real to you. That's, that's been established in your heart. That's a truth that is resident within you. But I'm not sure we can say the same thing about healing, that we believe it to that same degree that it's his will to heal. But that's going to be up to us. And let's get on to the next point. Let's go on over to 3 John. So we were just in the Old Testament. Let's go into the New Testament. Let's go to the third epistle of John. There towards the back of your New Testament. I'm going to say chapter 1, but because there is only one chapter, just go to the second verse. Your Bible might not even have a chapter 1 in 3 John. Now, here's John speaking to the church. And we know that because he calls them beloved. That means loved of God. Now, in the King James, he says, I wish. And that's not what the original Greek said. The original Greek says, I pray. And there's many translations that do use that vernacular. So let's, let's read it that way. I pray. So he's, don't you think that John prayed according to the will of God? Remember, he's the one that God loved. <laughs> he, it's funny how he used, he, he used himself in the third person as the, God, the one who God loved. Just read the Gospel of John. You'll see what I'm talking about. He says, I pray above all things. So this means it's a priority. I said, this means it is important. That, that means you and I need to get it. He says, I pray above all things that you may what? Prosper. And that's talking about you having an overflowing supply in the realm of finances. And what? Be in, be in what? Health. Isn't that interesting? Even as your spirit, King James says soul, but it's talking about your spirit. Even as your spirit prospers. Do you notice the threefold blessing of God? This is really the blessing of Abraham. 
right? The blessing of Abraham is the reciprocal of the curse. And so the blessing is spiritual life, health, healing, and, and longevity in your body, and having a full supply financially. That's the blessing of Abraham. So it must be his will if he's praying that you have health. Why would he pray, if it was up to God, why would he pray for you to have health? But it's not up to God because he's already established what his will is in that area. Now it's up to us Amen. to believe that. Got that? Let's go to, over to Exodus chapter 23. Exodus chapter 23. And let's go to verse 25. Exodus 23, verse 25. It says that you shall serve the Lord your God. And what will he do? Well, he shall bless your bread. And he shall bless thy water. And I will take sickness. He's going to take what? He's going to take sickness away from the midst of thee. And therefore there shall nothing cast their young, meaning that you would, uh, a woman would miscarriage, uh, nor would she be barren. That would be that you wouldn't be able to bear a child in the land. And the numbers of your days, that means long life. The number of your days I will fulfill. Now understand that he's able to provide this for the Israelites because it's pointing to what Christ was going to do when he came as a man. All the symbols that they used in the Old Testament pointed to Jesus. So they got a promissory note on what Jesus was going to do for them before he did it for them. So how much more can you and I receive this where the price has already been paid? We don't have a promissory note. We have the reality that Jesus has already provided it for us. That his grace in this area has already been extended to us. Now we receive that grace through and by faith. Amen? Look at that. I will take sickness away. You could just as easily read this verse as I will take sin away. Think about it. I'm associating it with something that you already believe is a reality. And that's what we got to do with the healing. That it's his will to heal me. Remember what Jesus said? There was a man sick of the palsy. And he was seeking healing from the Lord. And the Lord said to the sick man, 
your sins are forgiven me. And then the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders went, <coughs> What did he say? This man blasphemes me. Only God can forgive. And Jesus says, well, which is easy? Easier. Which is easier? To make this man who's crippled walk or to forgive his sins? Now, why would Jesus say that? Because he knew he came to take away both of those things. And many times in the New Testament, you see those two areas of blessings flow together at the same time. So in essence, Jesus is saying, it's just as easy for me to forgive as it is to heal. You see, we've been inundated with so much information about our sickness. We got x-rays. We've got test results. We've got this history of experience with this particular disease. We have our family history. We have this and we have that. We even Google things to bombard us with unbelief. And that's why it becomes difficult for us to trust and believe God because we, we make this condition we have become so huge that it begins to appear impossible to us how in the world how in the world <gasps> it's just oh. well it's just as easy for God to heal you of whatever you have as it is to forgive you amen Let's, uh, you're in the 23rd chapter. Go down to the 15th chapter of Exodus. Exodus 15, 26. Just go back 10 chapters there in Exodus. That's the second book in the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus. And, and said, If... Thou wilt diligently hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. And if you will do that which is right in his sight, and if you will give ear to his commandments and keep his statutes, I will. I will. He says, I will put none of these diseases. And you have to understand that the Hebrew doesn't have the same verbs as we have. When you read this word will in the King James, it says that I will not permit. See, it, he isn't the cause of sickness, but he allows sickness because we're in a fallen world environment and Adam allowed the laws of sin and death in man who had authority over the earth allowed sickness to come in and so it was Adam who willed to have sickness here not God so now God has to permit it 
because Adam allowed it to come in. And we may get to that in this study. We'll see. But don't, don't, don't think that God put this sickness on them. He's saying, I will take sickness. He says that I will not allow these diseases to come upon thee, which I allowed to come upon the Egyptians, because I am the Lord that healeth thee. Now remember, we talked about earlier in this, this setting, this time, uh, that God never changes. And so one day he can't be the God who heals thee, and then the next day be the God who makes you sick. If he's the Lord that healeth thee, then he doesn't have any sickness to give. For example, how much sickness is in heaven? How many people are dying in heaven? What's the crime rate in heaven? And we, we, we chuckle at that. But heaven is a place where God is completely in control of. Amen. And you see his will being executed in heaven. Yes. Not all of his will is being executed here on the earth. Amen. So since he's the Lord that healeth thee, everybody up in heaven is healed. <laughs> Okay? Remember, we're going to have a flesh and bone body which will never be touched with sickness nor disease. Hallelujah. So once we get that settled, it reassures us that it's his will. Let's go on over to Numbers. Going to places that maybe you haven't been to recently. Go to Numbers chapter 21. And this is a portion of scripture that Robert uh, cited during uh, his time here at BFC in those five services that he did for us. Numbers 21.5. And it says that the people, they did what? They spoke against God. And if that wasn't bad enough, then they spoke against God's man, Moses. Yep. And, and then they made this statement. So right now they're out here in the wilderness after God supernaturally and miraculously had delivered them from slavery in which they took, spoiled the Egyptians and took a lot of their gold and silver. And they were walking around the wilderness and their shoes never wore out. And God supernaturally fed them with quail. God supernaturally uh, fed them with manna from heaven. And here they are, whining to God. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Boy, that's a half glass full statement, isn't it? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loathes this light bread, this manna, this manifesting from heaven. Oh, I'm tired of it. <laughs> wow. And the Lord sent, again, this is allowed. You see, their sin opened the door to the devil. Got to be careful how we talk about people, especially God. 
And so God allowed fiery serpents. I don't know what fiery serpents are, but I don't think I want to, you know, run into one. I'm assuming fiery means that they had venom in their bite amongst the people. And they bit the people, and much people of Israel did what? They died. Then they, the, the Israelites had a change of heart in verse 7. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, holy jumping, for we have spoken against the Lord. Aren't you glad that they saw what they did wrong? And aren't you glad that they were repentive? We spoke against the Lord, and by the way, Moses, we spoke against you. So represent us before God and pray unto the Lord that he would take away the serpents from us. Now, I want you to get a hold of this. This is a revelation that just came up inside of me. God didn't just say, shoo away serpents, because he didn't send the serpents. The people themselves allowed the serpents to come because of their sin. So now God doesn't deal with the serpents. He deals with their sin. Now check it out how he does it. And Moses prayed for the people, and then the Lord told him what to do. Make thee a fiery serpent, I'm assuming out of the, the foundry, because this was a metal object that was made, and set it on a pole. And so this is that serpent wrapped around a pole. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten See, he didn't shoo the snakes away because he didn't send them. Mm -hmm. But when you get bitten from this point forward, he that beholds the serpent on the pole shall what? Shall live. In verse 9, and, and Moses made a serpent of brass, that word brass or that metal brass in the Bible means judgment. So they made it out of brass to, to demonstrate that the devil and his works, being the serpent that beguiled Adam and Eve in the garden, he's being judged. Did you get that? So, so was sickness being judged by God. And so Moses made a serpent of brass. He put it on a pole. And it came to pass that if a certain had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. When he saw Jesus as his deliverer, when he saw Jesus as his forgiver, as he beheld Jesus as his healer, faith in that which God provided made them live now you when you go to a doctor's office what do you see you see that same symbol the snake on the pole 
And so understand that God is not the author of sickness. He's the author of health, healing, longevity, vitality, strength, length of days. He didn't remove the serpents because they were allowed to come by the people. But he gave them their defense against it by giving them Jesus. And that's the same for you and I. God doesn't send sickness to us to teach us anything. You didn't teach your children that way. And nor does God being a loving father. But he's brought the cure for the healing. We'll always have sickness in our midst while we're on this earth. Just like the Israelites always had venomous snakes in their midst. And that's why Jesus became our cure for sickness when he hung on the cross. And so we see here very explicitly that Jesus, amen, was not only the answer to our sin problem, but also to our sickness problem. And you've got to understand, too, when they look at this serpent, they also receive their forgiveness. Because Jesus is the one who bared away our sin nature and our sins, as well as bearing away our sicknesses and our poverty. Yes. Hallelujah. But you've got to look at Jesus to receive it. Yes. Amen. I think we're going to shut it down here for tonight. Um, we're pretty close to the end, and I have to break into a new category of determining the will of God. And so let's just shut it down here tonight. Father, we're so thankful that, that you're with us here tonight, that you have opened our eyes. You've helped us to see the truth in the Word of God. And I believe that in our own minds that those things that contradict your word are being rooted up. They're being torn down. And we're allowing our mind to be renewed with the word of God. And as we choose to believe what the word says, it gets down into our heart. And you want us to know the will of God because that's where faith is conceived. Faith begins, or faith is conceived, or faith comes into our heart when the will of the Lord is known. So we're so thankful as we study this, our faith is being fed, our faith is being stimulated, our faith is being developed, and it's growing. That we'll be able to access that faith and release it to produce the will of God in our body in terms of healing, and life, vitality, and strength, and length of days. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody just shouted and said, Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Woo. Glory. See you next time.